the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. We're having a fabulous um, Saturday morning and a fabulous week. And we pray for also a fabulous summer break for many of you, if not all of you. We are always thankful for your partnership with us, by the way. And um, uh, you and your faithfulness have made this podcast become more and more popular. I hear a lot of wonderful things about the podcast, but we are always mindful of the fact that if it wasn't for you, and mainly the grace of God and your faithfulness to partner with us, I don't think we would be around uh, for this long, nor that we anticipate to continue to be around if it is not by the, uh, for the grace of God and your faithfulness. So thank you so much again for that. And uh, um, one of the things that I want to always remind people is that you can always go and listen to our archived shows uh, in a variety of ways. You can go, of course, to the um, social media uh, platform uh, known as soundcloud.com and just search for Let Us Reason. Uh, another way, of course, is through iTunes. A third way is to go to our website, which is sierrainternational.com. Again, Sierra is with a C as in Charlie, sierrainternational.com. And in there, you are going to find the section on the uh, uh, page, the main page related to Let Us Reason. And you will find all of the archived shows from the first show three and a half years ago, all the way until now. And I'm thankful for KPXQ 1360. They do a fabulous uh, job in basically releasing them on a weekly basis and helping us basically um, uh, with um, having uh, this wonderful platform known as SoundCloud. Uh, another way also you can uh, listen to um, Let Us Reason, for instance, is we do have some of these shows already streaming on YouTube uh, through our YouTube channel, Sierra International. And in there, you can also watch many of our previous videos and current uh, videos and also future videos. If you subscribe and become a Patreon patron, you will receive those notifications whenever videos are being released. And we've done a number of new ones right now with Dr. J. Smith, for instance. And we are in the process of trying to do more with Dr. David Wood. And hopefully, we'll have others as well as we continue to expand this ministry. If you have been uh, following our uh, latest, basically, series, we titled it The Unknown History of Islam or A Critical Analysis of the History of Islam, you would have known that we are trying to expose uh, the discrepancies between what we call the classical account of Islam's history versus the new discoveries that contradict those classical accounts. What do I mean by the classical accounts, for instance? Islam says that 
the prophet of Islam was born in 570, became a prophet in 610 AD, died in 632. Yet new discoveries show that his name didn't exist in any Arabic inscription until uh, the late 600s, around 691 AD, give or take. That's, that's strange. The classical account said that Mecca is a prominent city and a center for trade. And uh, the Quran in 624 AD requested Muslims to face Mecca uh, in their daily prayers. Before that, supposedly, they were facing Jerusalem. Yet, when you study early mosques in the first hundred years of the history of Islam, you quickly discover that those mosques were not facing Mecca, but rather facing Petra in the southern parts of Jordan. And the list can go on and on and on. There are new books and documentaries uh, that are being published, by the way, which for the first time question the classical account of Islam's beginning. Now, why are there no Muslim sources for 200 years? For instance, that's an example of those uh, critical questions that we have to ask. Why are there no Muslim sources for 200 years? What do I mean by that? You know, the biography of the, uh, the Prophet was written about 180 years after his death. The earlier one, that was 130 years, written by Ibn Ishaq, but it's lost. So the only one that we have uh, as t- supposedly complete is 180 years. No eyewitness account. The hadith and his saying and his teachings, written 240 years after his death. No eyewitness accounts. Inscriptions show that the title Islam uh, for, the, for the religion or uh, for uh, Muslims, for the followers, didn't exist until 690 plus AD. All of these things are extremely important for us to question, why do the claims, uh, uh, why do Muslims, as you say, uh, claim uh, basically uh, things that they make, uh, uh, that they do not fit at least the 7th century historical record? Uh, the, the claims that Islam makes and Muslim makes about those dates, the traditional classical dates, they do not fit actually with the 7th century historical record. They fit actually with a later time, the descriptions of Mecca, for instance, do not fit Mecca, but they fit Petra. The uh, direction of prayers do not fit the uh, classical dates, but they fit later dates, and so on and so forth. Uh, why are the geographical references so few in the Quran and so confusing? And why do they all seem to fit an area much further notes? These are classical accounts. Instead of focusing on Mecca and Medina, these accounts in the Quran and history and the resources of Islam focus on something northern from there, almost 600 miles north from there. Other questions concerning the direction of prayers. Why are there so many references to vegetation which doesn't exist in actual modern-day Mecca? Why is Mecca not on any trade route until almost 900 A.D.? Uh, Why is Mecca not mentioned until, as a city, I should say, until 741 A.D., for instance? And trade routes don't mention it until 900 A.D. Why do all of the Qiblas or directional prayers face Petra for the first hundred years? Then they are confused and they are in between Petra and Mecca for the next hundred years. And some are parallel as well. And why aren't there... Uh, standardized basically directions towards Mecca uh, in terms of mosques facing uh, for prayer uh, until 822 AD, 200 years too late. Is it not surprising then 
that historians now consider much of what we know about early Islam, its classical accounts, to be basically, uh, possibly, and historically spurious and questionable. So these are the kind of things that we are trying to bring to the attention of our Muslim friends. So, how can we fit now the newer discoveries uh, together, and what could come out of this versus the classical accounts? If we would begin to look at the newer dates and the newer data, uh, here is a possible scenario that could emerge. To make sense of all of this, we will need to begin with somebody by the name of Abdullah ibn Zubayr, who actually was the governor of Petra under the rule of the Caliph Abdul Malik ibn Marwan, who was the Umayyad Caliph from 685 until 705 AD for about 20 years. Uh, Ibn Zubayr rebelled, actually, in 683 AD against the Umayyad power in Damascus. Damascus used to be the capital for the Umayyad Caliphate. Why was it Damascus? Why isn't it Mecca or Medina, for instance? Um, And he uh, begins a second civil war after the first one that caused basically the split between what we know as Sunni and Shia and also between the um, uh, the guided caliphs and the rise of the Umayyad caliphate as well. And Ibn Zubayr destroys supposedly the Kaaba, which existed in Mecca, steals or takes the black stone, goes to Hijaz, possibly Mecca, builds another shrine and puts the black stone in there. After the fall of the Umayyad dynasty uh, in the year uh, basically 750 AD, another dynasty came after them, primarily a Shia dynasty known as the Abbasids, who are in control of Kufa, which is found in modern-day southern Iraq, and they join the rebellion and support Ibn Zubayr. Why? They supported against the Umayyad, and that was the beginning of the fall of the Umayyad dynasty. Now, note that the cities, uh, basically, uh, that are prominent uh, in Islamic history are the following. You have Damascus, was the political capital for the Umayyads. It's about a thousand miles north of Mecca. Then during the Umayyads, Petra was also a religious and a commerce center, 600 miles north of Mecca. Then, during the Abbasids, Baghdad became the political capital city for uh, uh, for the Abbasid dynasty, also another at least 1,000 plus miles north of Mecca. And then, later, Mecca becomes the religious sanctuary for the Abbasids, almost as we mentioned, almost um, uh, uh, about 150 to 200 years after the rise of Islam and after supposedly Mecca was the place where Muslims have to face for prayer. Um, Here is another possibility that adds this scenario. It's quite possible that the Arabs needed an identity. They needed a religion. They needed a prophet. They needed a book, a scripture, if you wish. The Arabs had been in power since basically the middle of the 7th century, 
and they had no religious identity, yet they are encountering Christians, Jews, others who have religious writings, who have supposedly prophets, and so on and so forth, and deities. Abdul Malik ruled politically from 685 until 705 AD in Damascus, and he's an Arab and needed an Arab identity to make the Arabs also who are the ruling party to have some form of a religious identity as well. So, it's quite possible that the Arabs had now controlled, as as I should say, <coughs> excuse me, as the Arabs had now controlled that part of the world since 642 AD, yet for almost 40 years, they were dependent on Jews and Christians to run their empire, to serve them as uh, emissaries, or sometimes to serve them as uh, uh, basically ministries, uh, or ministers, I should say, in the cabinets, and so on and so forth. And as a result of this, the Jews and the Christians had also their own prophetic line, their own religious identity, yet the Arabs, who are the rulers, had no prophetic line or an identity. It's quite possible as a result of this that Abdul Malik began to introduce such identity. How do we know this? Or why is this possible? Because when we look, for instance, at coins, the introduction of the Arabic coins, uh, it was introduced basically during the Abdul Malik reign, who is known as the great Arab reformer. He makes Arabic basically become the international language in the region under his control, and he introduces the Arabic coins. But interestingly enough, if you look at the Arabic coins that he introduced, it's almost a copycat of the Byzantine, din, uh, basically dinar or, um, uh, you know, coins. Uh, the Byzantine uh, coins had the emperor and has the retainers and also has a Byzantine cross or a Christian cross. The Abdul Malik took that and removed or erased, erased the retainers, uh, but uh, uh, basically uh, used half of the cross. He eliminated basically uh, parts of the cross and kept that symbol itself and kept only the image of the emperor and made him the caliph now. So this is why uh, it's quite possible that that's what happened. And also we, we begin to see that he introduces the Islamic creed or the Shahada, there is no God but Allah and his prophet Muhammad for the first time in these coins, in one, one uh, side of the coins, technically speaking. Also, Abdul Malik is the one who builds the Dome of the Rock in 691 AD. It's considered to be the largest Arab structure, and he made it intentionally higher than the Christian Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and uh, made it basically to become the primary place for prayer for the Muslims. What is the significance of the Dome of the Rock? It employs the same Byzantine architecture, but much larger and more prominent. It sits above the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It is situated in the holiest city for the Jews and the Christians. In other words, now he's making Islam become the dominant religion in the city of Jerusalem where both Jews and Christians have their 
uh, origin in there and have their history, religious history. Why not, for instance, Damascus? Why not Baghdad? Why not Mecca, for instance? Muslims basically will tell you that this is because of uh, chapter, uh, basically, um, uh, uh, one of the chapters in the Quran that talks about the night journey of Muhammad. It says that Muhammad supposedly came to this site and prayed, and the Quran calls it the Far Mosque. Now, the Far Mosque didn't exist, like I said, until almost 60 years after the death of Muhammad. So that's strange. Why would Muhammad mention something like this that wasn't even there? Unless Abdul Malik redacted it backward, basically built it and redacted it backward into the Quran to justify its building in that particular location as a sign of superiority and dominance over both Christians and Jews. If one would look at the inner and the outer ambulatories of uh, the dome, you will begin to discover inscriptions. And those inscriptions basically have some messages in them that are anti-Christians, anti-Jesus, and more in favor of Muhammad and the Muslims. For instance, in one of those inscriptions, there's a reference to chapter 4, verse 171 of the Quran that says this, reads as follows. This is from the Quran. It says, O people of the scripture, do not exaggerate in your religion, nor utter aught concerning Allah, save the truth. The Messiah... Jesus, son of Mary, was only a messenger of Allah and his word, which he conveyed unto Mary and a spirit from him. So believe in Allah and his messenger and say not three C's. This is an attack on the Trinity. He should have, as, uh, and also it says that far is it removed from his transcendence majesty that he should have a son, meaning Allah should not have a son and attack on the sonship of Christ and the fatherhood of God. Here's another inscription in there from chapter 17, uh, verse 111. Praise be to God who has not taken unto himself a son and who has no partner in the sovereignty, nor has he any protecting friend through dependence. Another attack on the Trinity. In chapter 112 of the Quran, it talks about the absolute oneness of God. And here is the inscription says, There is no God but God. He is one. He has no associate. Say, He is God, the one. God, the eternally besought of all. He begets not, nor was begotten. And there is none comparable unto him. Muhammad is the messenger of God. By the way, this particular uh, chapter is a variation from the actual chapter of the Quran uh, in modern-day Quran. In other words, this chapter that is inscribed on the Dome of the Rock has more wording and terms in it than the modern Quran of chapter 112 does have. Modern Quran has about four verses only, and the inscription has much more than four verses. In fact, if one would count, you would come up basically with at least six verses and the addition is clear when it says Muhammad is the messenger of God because that's not even found in chapter 112 of the modern Quran known as the 1924 Cairo edition. The need for a man. Abdul Malik introduces here his Arab identity in the guise of an Arab prophet. Beginning with the Dome of the Rock in 691 AD, the largest 
basically structure than any other non-Arab structures in the area, facing the Arab sanctuary Petra. It incorporates inscriptions against the Christians and the Christian doctrines. It introduces their faith, Islam. It introduces their people, Muslims, and it introduces their prophet, Muhammad. The, calif- uh, the caliphal protocols basically change overnight in 691. Then he mints new coins and replaces images that are found basically in these coins with Arab inscriptions and adds now the Islamic creed that is considered to be the first pillar of Islam. In order for a Muslim to become a Muslim, they have to recite this creed. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. And then there is the need of for a book. Abdul Malik basically now, after introducing the man Muhammad, he then needs an Arab revelation, a book written in Arabic, a scripture. The earliest Quranic manuscripts basically or texts are on the Dome of the Rock, written in 691 AD. The earliest Quranic manuscripts basically began to appear during his reign, and uh, one of those is known as the Sanaa Manuscript, written in the late 7th century, and it's known as the Palmacist, basically, manuscript. It's the lower layer. The Quranic manuscripts begin to proliferate, uh, pro, uh, proliferate, I should say, I'm sorry, uh, proliferate, basically, during the reign of his son, Al-Walid, okay, Al-Walid ibn Abdul Malik, who reigned for 10 years from 705 until 715 A.D., None of these manuscripts are complete, nor do they parallel today's Quran, known as the 1924 Cairo edition. They continue to be changed and corrected by later caliphs up until the 9th century. So it took about 300 years before we have something close to the fixed copy of the Quran or a standardized copy. The Quran is finally canonized at Al-Azhar University in Cairo in 1924, just 93 years ago. In other words... It was almost 1,300 years plus before we have a canonized copy of the Quran. Finally, uh, there is uh, still currently about 31 different Qurans that has been discovered. They all have variations in them, and they do not match one another. And most importantly, they do not match the modern-day Quran. I want to stop right here. As you can see, these are deep topics. We still have more to go. And once we're done with this series, we're going to dive into another series specifically geared towards the Quran, Quranic manuscripts and variations, and especially these 31 different Qurans that has been discovered. And then later we'll talk about Islamic uh, slavery. All of this is intended to be a companion to the video series that we've done myself and Dr. J. Smith, so that these podcasts will give you more deeper insights. Once again, we thank you for your partnership and we invite you to always go to our website, sirainternational.com. C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A international.com and to our Facebook basically pages, my personal page, alfadi.sira and then my ministry page, the Alfadi and we have another ministry page for the ministry itself known as Sira International. You can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe also to it. It's known as Sira International. I encourage you to become a Patreon patron and Help, pray for us, partner with us, and support us with as little as $1. And as much as the Lord puts in your heart, all of this, the proceeds will be used to build more videos and stay 
on the air. We thank you again for taking the time to be with us, to pray for us, and to pray with us, and to partner with us. And we encourage you to share these things with your friends, especially Muslim friends, through your uh, different social media platforms, uh, by email and others, and communicate with us as well, please. You can go to my website, sirainternational.com, and email me, and either myself or my team will be in touch with you almost immediately. Thank you again, and until we meet again, have a blessed week. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.